1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. Good to be back together, DeMarco. Yes, finally. I love where we are, too. This is cool. we got our own stadium here. Coming to you live from SoFi yeah. Stadium, site of Week 13. The Rams and the Seahawks get together for the first time this year. It's a new month. It's December uh, and a rivalry renewed. It's weird to have the Seahawks backloaded on the schedule.
0: It is kind of strange, but it was strange having San Francisco front-loaded, right? Yes. We got done with that series quickly. I, I wish we could have a redo on that so Same. hopefully we'll get off to the, get get to the right get off on the
1: right foot against Seattle it is a six game closing stretch now with the first and the last of those six games against Seattle uh, we'll get into a lot on this edition of Rams All-Axis, including the potential to play both backup quarterbacks against the Seahawks and maybe in this final month throughout. John Wolford hopefully back healthy uh, to reinforce Bryce Perkins. There's a the loss of Aaron Donald to add to that of Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford and many, many others. Uh, but I think we have to start with Don't Bobby sound Wagner. do so
0: sad, man. <laughs>
1: Come on, it's not that bad. It is, though. Yeah, it is. It, it is. And and I think Bobby Wagner is one of the reasons why it feels that bad. I, I like that signing. And then once I saw it on the field, I loved that signing. And it's a crying shame to me that one of his final prime seasons is spent on this predicament, that he's not going to play beyond the 17-game regular season. Oh, it hurts
0: some, definitely. You want the best for these players, especially guys like him who are who are absolutely special. Uh, just like Aaron, uh, th- they're headed for football immortality. Uh, I think we know this. So y- you hate this for him. But look, I mean, he's an inside linebacker in the National Football League. He understands. Uh, not every season can be a winner. And you got to finish it out playing like your is on fire regardless so that's exactly what he brings to this football team that's why they signed him so i'm with you on that i feel bad for the record but as far as
1: holding down your job playing your position knowing your role he's done that perennial league tackling leader all pro with the seahawks now his first year with the rams and when he took the podium yesterday at the facility in thousand oaks of course the leading topic what's it going to be like to face the team that drafted you
2: it's a choice you know it's a choice to come out here and perform and play well and study and work out and do the things that you need to do to be um great and the great ones do it and the people who don't last in this league that long don't
0: it is something, JB, um, to see Bobby Wagner's to see the team come in after a win or a loss. And I remember how last season the team would wait to celebrate until Andrew Whitworth got in the room. Hmm. Um, this year, of course, it's been a few more losses, but it, it gets real serious when Bobby walks in the room. I mean, everybody deals with losses differently. You're quiet, uh, you're feeling bad about it, but then the smiles start, and then Bobby walks in, and just your demeanor changes. Like, you should handle this loss properly like a pro because he is. And if you don't know how, watch him. You know what I mean? So uh, it's weird going from one leader to the next, but – Uh, I'm with you. I I wish to God that that the record was
1: flipped so that we could be celebrating this guy on the way out versus the opposite. Yeah. I want to make sure that he has the chance to go back to Seattle and play in the regular season finale because he deserves that standing ovation. He deserves the reception that Russell Wilson maybe didn't get at the outset of this season, uh, but a long way to go until we can tee that one up. There was a moment on Monday's Coach McVay show that I really loved, and you asked the question about, you know, if you love coaching, this is a moment for you. And it's a challenge because you have the Bobby Wagners of the world who have been to the top of the mountain. And you have the next class of up-and-comers who are just hoping to stay on a roster for the next game, who are hoping to take this game film and get the opportunity to learn from it and improve. And you have to treat them and coach them differently. And Sean McVay said it was like you were reading his mind.
0: Yeah, you look, you you got to coach your butt off. I mean, guys like Aaron, guys like Bobby, guys like Jalen Ramsey, I mean – The special, Matthew Stafford, Uh, these guys are watching you. I mean, they need to be coached just like anyone else, but they're also watching you. And you have to coach your butt off to everybody on the roster. And you have to strike the right chord. Um, you, You can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. So even if it is a star and he's not doing exactly what you want him to do, you have to coach him hard because there's young guys watching. Now, you may pull them aside later, wink, wink you know i need you i need more out of you be more personable but while you're in the face of that young guy everyone needs to be the same so and look you, you everyone wants to coach with a bunch of all pros it's just not going to happen so sometimes you're going to have days like this you're going to have years like this and the one thing you have to do job one as a coach is take player a and make him better uh, by a certain date, by next season. So, that in itself should give you pleasure as a coach. Records, of course, we want to win, but that's not always going to happen in the National Football League. But
1: what you can control is the guys in your room getting better one step, one snap to the next. He's Demarco Farr. I'm JB Long, previewing Seahawks and Rams for the first time this year. Coming up Sunday in Inglewood at SoFi Stadium after another winless. November. All right, I'm going to play the role of devil's advocate here. It's it's a stance that I don't want to take, but for the sake of radio and this show, I want you to defend your position against my imaginary. Go ahead. Yeah. Bobby Wagner has been everything the Rams had dreamed of and more, signing him to come down to Los Angeles for his homecoming. He has been maybe the best off-ball linebacker in the National Football League, and the Rams departed from their team-building mode and where they typically devote resources because he was an exception. It's paid off. Except in the win column. And so my question to you is, isn't this yet another example of why the Rams typically don't and maybe shouldn't, moving forward, invest in middle linebacker? Wow. Uh,
0: you know, look, uh, like I said, he has done his job uh, better than most. And you're 3-8. and eight. He's been great. He's been – at. and look – Maybe it doesn't change the win column, but let's take Kansas City. Without Bobby Wagner, you may lose by 30. I hear you. Yeah. Go a step beyond. You may lose by more. Teams may be running the ball up and down the field on you. Uh, He has been great as a supplemental pass rusher because outside of leonard floyd you don't have anyone outside of aaron donald so he has been great he's morphed his game and he's better personally than i thought he was i thought like everyone else i listened to what they said that he had lost a step that was a flat-out lie seattle was telling you as much bobby wagner is still bobby wagner he can still play which makes you wonder why is he still up there but regardless he's here now um not devoting resources if you can tell me jb that Bobby Wagner's signing led to all these injuries on the offensive line. I'm all, I'm all in. I'm right there with you because one has nothing to do with the other. Even if you had all five guys, who would be your starting
1: lineup, your starting five coming out of training camp? Noteboom? Joe Noteboom, David Edwards, Brian Allen, uh, right guard. Let's say Logan Bruss for fun. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And
0: Rob and Havenstein. You give the me the, those guys for 11 games, you're not three and eight.
1: And then Bobby Wagner looks even better as a sign. And I didn't mean to take this yeah. one more round, but I will, because yeah. you baited me. <laughs> so my my conclusion there is that maybe you need more de- resources devoted, draft picks and capital resources to offensive linemen starting and backups because that's truly where the rubber meets the road and where games are won and lost is in those trenches. Uh, 100%. And it's, it's not an either or like I'm no, doing no. this for the sake of the bit, but 100%. I, but I am saying right. Each year kind of clarifies to me in the modern NFL where games are won and lost and it's not at middle linebacker. Okay, look, every car there's a car, there's a nice-looking
0: Toyota right behind us right now, right? It has four tires, right? Four mm-hmm. wheels. There's only one spare. So there's only so much you can prepare for, right? You know, it's no a one was expecting. Leave. That's what right. makes it so great. <laughs> right? Is,
1: is the <laughs> scarcity of the games that you can play, the players that you can acquire, the backups that you can. There's, there's not a 100 man roster stocked with five stars, three classes deep. True. This is not the SEC. That's this why I would never NFL. leave Alabama if I'm Nick Saban. <laughs> but, uh, but here's the thing. I mean, look, I still think
0: Bobby Wagner. At regardless of pay as long as it doesn't keep you from signing your quarterback
1: or Cooper Cup or keeping Aaron Donald right. or Jalen Ramsey. I still have that with him. It's a great signing. And now I can go back to my, my heartfelt position, which is I'm really glad he's a Ram. I've enjoyed the 11 games I've seen him on the field for, and I hope he's able to finish out this season because, again, it's been one of his best, and he's leading the Rams in tackling, and I do think he's a difference maker, and I do agree with you. It would be a whole lot worse on that side of the ball if not for him. And he's going to have to do even more without the guy in front of him now.
0: Wow. Look, um, of all the guys, and look, I, I said this before, I think, off air. Um, when the Rams were bad in the past, right, you usually got excited for the draft. You know, you're going to get a top five pick. Who? What position, who's that going to be? That This is different because you're actually losing and there's nothing that you're looking forward to draft-wise. So your capital is actually guys that are playing. But I need Bobby Wagner on the field, especially if Aaron isn't. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To get guys lined up, to be that toughness against the run, especially against Seattle. Because I think Andy Reid in and Kansas City did you a favor by not trying to throw it in the end zone towards the end. Right? I think they took their foot off the gas a little bit. Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks aren't going to do that. And it's going to be physical how they do it. So I need Bobby Wagner on the field for his physicality and to get all these new players lined up. You're telling me Pete Carroll comes back to Southern California smelling blood in the water? Oh, my God. SC is, is good again. He's coming back to SoCal. He's
1: got a pretty good team. Rams are a wounded animal.
0: Yes, and, and old Russell Wilson
1: is doing his, doing the opposite in Denver. Yeah, this is how Pete Carroll gets back on the map. Seahawks are desperate, too. I mean, they went to Germany leading the NFC West, feeling really good about their running game, uh, their quarterback, uh, their defense even. It felt like Pete Carroll was pressing all the right buttons, maybe even had NFL Coach of the Year potential. uh, But the two losses, to the Buccaneers and the Raiders, have reversed their fortunes. We'll get into a lot of that in four-down territory with our guest, Joe Phan, who will give us the temperature of the Seahawks organization. Uh, But let's pause here and come back and discuss the loss of Aaron Donald for this week and maybe, who knows, the rest of the season. Uh, Regardless of how far this goes, it'll be the first game that Aaron has missed due to injury, and we want to get Sean McVay's thoughts on that as well as those of DeMarco Farr. The Rams are finally home to start a new month. December at SoFi Stadium against the Seahawks. Coming up this Sunday, you're listening to Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to
0: wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. So much of it is, is built around him. He's such a – he's truly one of one. And so um, you don't replace uh, anybody like him. Guys will be asked to step up, have confidence in those guys, but um, – I think Aaron's resume speaks for himself, the way that he works, the way that he brings others
2: with him, and so it's a huge loss for us.
1: Head coach Sean McVay uh, discussing the loss of Aaron Donald for at least this week. We'll see if Donald, with that high ankle, makes a return to the field this regular season or whether he shuts it down and prepares for hopefully a 2023 comeback campaign. DeMarco, this dawned on me this morning, actually, that Donald has actually won more NFL Defensive Player of the Year honors then he has missed games his en- wow entire NFL career. Okay, so that sets him apart from J.J.
0: Watt right there? Yeah. yeah. That's I an mean, interesting
1: place to take it, yes. I, it's just funny when
0: when you talk about, you know, Aaron and other people and dominance and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that right there, you could present him for the Hall of Fame on that alone and walk away if he stopped right now. And, and he'd go in, shoe in, first ballot. So, yeah, he's been special. Maybe
1: so special that we've taken him for granted. You know what I mean? I would like to say not me. But I think there's always more that you could appreciate. And I think there will be moments this Sunday and maybe in the month of December where you do have that recollection, that realization, man, maybe I didn't fully, fully appreciate just how one of one he is. Well, you know,
0: there's some other guys that might surprise you. Now, no one's going to be Aaron. Aaron is special. No one's going to have the run that he had. This was a comet, and I'm glad we got to see every snap of it, or we're still seeing every snap of it. Some guys may surprise you. Uh, I'll give you a name. Uh, we talked about Michael Hoyt mm-hmm. playing a new position, position-less guy. Uh, he's that he's outside linebacker because there's a need. There's a guy that kind of understands the assignment. Be a wild man. Make plays. Go out there and disrupt. How do I know I'm doing it right, Coach? If you're in a car wreck on every single play, you're doing it right. Good. So play with a uh, play like that. Play a thousand miles an hour. Other guys that are stepping in for Aaron, in particular, like Greg Gaines. So if Aaron is out, your next best DT and A. Sean Robinson's out. It has to be Greg Gaines. That's the way we see you. You've got to take the next step. So without Aaron, without Superman, without the big guy in the middle, there's room. There's opportunity for other guys to
1: maybe change perception within one game or the next six weeks. You're not wrong, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready to talk about who's next on the interior of Aaron Donald's dogwork defense. I don't want to have that conversation here on Thursday. Well, he's not gone. I mean, he's healing. This no, is I good. know. Yeah. But I, I'm still lingering and hung up on what he's been, what he's meant, what he's accomplished. And in particular, this matchup with Seattle is poignant for me because in my estimation, he tore down the Seattle Seahawks. He was a single-man wrecking ball. He ended the Legion of Boom. Pretty much. He, he brought it to a conclusion. You know that image I have of him kind of putting Russell Wilson in the spin cycle? Oh, yeah. Up there at Lumen Field? Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's an individual more responsible for the Seahawks breaking up that championship run, getting rid of Russell uh, Wilson, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, on and on and on picking a different lane than Aaron Donald. I think he was the root cause of so much of
0: that. I like what I, he was the cavity that turned into an infection and you had to rip the yeah. tooth out. I love it. He got in there. Uh, that was the one thing Seattle couldn't account for was him. They they, they had DK Metcalf as an answer. Lockett is an answer. Russell Wilson was an answer. Everything they were doing was flummoxing a lot of people in Los Angeles except for... Aaron, and then once the team got right, you got the offense going in the right direction, it was over. So, look, I'm happy the guy's getting rest, and I hate saying that because what more can he do? And if he's got, let's say, how many sacks do you think he has in his career? How many, 25? I mean, I wouldn't put anything past him. I could say 50. Against the Seahawks specifically? No, just period in his career. 25, I would say 50. I'll just say 50 sacks from here on out.
1: Oh, oh, left, moving forward. Left. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah. was going to say, I, I can answer that question if you were just telling me what you were driving. And I don't want to be selfish, but I, I don't want to waste a third of those on
0: trying to get a fourth win in 2022, to be I'm honest. with you. Yeah. So get healthy, get right, because I'm sure there's some other maladies and, and injuries he's not telling us. So get right,
1: make yourself healthy, come back next season or when you're right, and start wrecking shop again. I bet the Denver Broncos wish they had given more weight to the Donald Rams versus Russell Wilson film, right? Yeah. Russell Wilson may or may not be a Hall of Famer anymore. That's not for me to say. But in their evaluation of who Russell Wilson could be for the Denver Broncos, I don't think they gave enough weight for the poor film he displayed and his shortcomings against these Los Angeles Rams led by Aaron Donald. Okay, I got two things to say, and it's, it's part of the same hole, I guess. So
0: I heard Maurice say that he's not believing in Geno Smith now geno smith has always been geno smith this is just a flare i'm not ready to say russell wilson is that bad because based on what i've seen before there's something going on in denver now clearly he's not playing well but there's something going on with the head coach as well so i need i need it's a small sample size for let's ride give me one more season or at least half a season if it keeps going then i'll believe you But I'm not ready to
1: say Russell Wilson just fell off a cliff that I'm sure you're right. The (laughs) truth is always somewhere in between. But let me pick up the thread on Geno Smith. I think think it's an awesome story. Uh, Much as I don't like to tout Seattle Seahawks on this program, how can you not be happy for Geno? He might be a pro
0: bowler. And he deserves it. You know, watching. Watching every snap as closely as I can watch. I mean, you know the difference between good quarterbacking and luck. Or just athletic ability. You know, wow, that was just... When Cam, uh, Cam Newton was young and when he won MVP, I mean, some of that was being a great quarterback. Some of that was just being an athletic big quarterback that was running through guys. Geno Smith, to me, hasn't made that many bad decisions with the football. He's been very smart. He's played within the offense, and they're just doing well with him. So I choose to believe that guy.
1: Because that's what I saw coming out of school. I'm with you. I'm trying not to draw too many comparisons, but because I'm watching this in-season version of Hard Knocks, there are shades of Kyler Murray versus Colt McCoy in there where there's a lot of tools to work with in that Seattle offense just like there are in the desert. Yeah. And they just need an effective, efficient, reliable operator like McCoy to produce... Maybe not better results, but more consistently winning results, as opposed to riding the roller coaster that you did have there at the end of the Russell Wilson tenure, and you've always had with Kyler Murray.
0: Oh, one point to your credit about Russell is when he said he'd never played with a wristband before. Remember that? Did you hear mm-hmm. that? He, he's this is the first time he's ever played with a wristband. I'm like, well, what were you doing up in Seattle? <laughs> okay, just doing your thing. But yeah, I'm with you. Like Colt McCoy. You just kind of settled the position and ran the offense, and it looked pretty darn good. Got the ball out to the weapons. Right. Same thing with Seattle. They're running the football, throwing off play action. You've got two pretty good weapons, three if you count the tight end.
1: Just run the offense. We'll move the football. It's working well for the for the Seahawks so far. Let's get to the Rams quarterback situation. I think it was clear to both of us that be it because of John Wolford's health situation or the fact that Perkins had earned it and they wanted to take a look at what that might become, especially against a deteriorated offensive line, that he, being Bryce Perkins, was a right choice to start against the Chiefs. This week, it seems like they're leaning back towards Wolford and the need to be able to pass the football uh, more uh, efficiently, effectively, consistently, but that there's a promise that we're going to see both, be it this Sunday or the rest of the way. I go to the old cliche, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one, you don't have any but this might be an exception to that rule, DeMarco, because I, I do agree that I want to see both, and I think both deserve reps down the home stretch. Well, look, I think Bryce
0: Perkins was the right guy to start last week because you're on the road, it's going to be loud, and frankly there was a good chance they were going to win up front in passing situations. So to, and did they ever? They did. To throw the fall ball efficiently, you're going to need some time to throw, right? So even if you had Matthew Stafford, the best, best passer on this team, if you get heat on him or you keep knocking him down, defense wins. So I think last week in that environment, a quarterback that can run was necessary. If that was Stafford and Wolford last week, I think you might have been sacked twice as many times. You know what I mean? But there and also twice as
1: many. But there are also plenty of moments where you did get into unfavorable down and distance, no in passing situations, and it was clear that there wasn't a ton of confidence in the quarterback's oh. ability to no doubt. Unless, unless he was scrambling for third and
0: long. Okay, third and six, you ran the quarterback. Fourth and whatever, you let the punter throw it. That's all I need to know. Okay. Right, yeah. there. But what I'm saying is I wish I can predict, and I wish Sean McVay can predict when you'll have enough time to throw the football so you can have the right quarterback in the game. You know what I mean? But you never know in the NFL.
1: But I think you're going to need a dose of both. There's competing dynamics as you prepare and put a game plan together to try and beat the Seahawks and score some points. The first, the most recent, is that they are getting gashed by opposing running games. And I'm talking about the Buccaneers that we saw that could not run the football worth a lick until the Rams gave their season new life. And then Josh Jacobs and the Vegas Raiders in overtime romping their way to victory. So the formula is run the football down their throats except for will the Rams be able to do that? And then the competing dynamic, which I'm getting to in a long-winded way, is your next two opponents, Seattle and Las Vegas, are maybe two of the worst pass defenses in the National Football League and certainly left on your schedule. So is there a way to exploit that with your best arm going, which is John?
0: Sure. Uh, my only answer is I think Tampa's running game and their O-line might be a little bit better man-for-man man than the Rams right
1: now. Is absolutely. I'll go a step farther than you. all. can okay. that. And the Raiders too. And Tom Brady can make it look better.
0: Absolutely. So there might be opportunities to gash the Seahawks or Tampa and the Raiders did. I hope the Rams as they're currently constructed, can or will. Me too. They, they had a few good runs uh, against Kansas City. They, they popped a few the last couple of weeks. I think there was some knockoff up front. And I, I keep saying this, no matter what you have up front, it could be me, you, and Adam, because Adam's standing right here. Uh, if we stay together for five, six weeks, eventually we're going to learn how to figure out how to cover these guys up and we're going to pop a few runs. I think that's what you're seeing. So, It may not be a gash situation, but you may run effectively
1: enough to keep them off balance. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of uh, detrimental factors last weekend in Kansas City. The lack of continuity, a new voice in the huddle, and, what, 70,000 voices that were not doing you any favors in the, in the stands at, at Arrowhead. Hopefully more favorable circumstances this week at SoFi Stadium, and Adam Bronstein has been signed to the Rams practice squad, by the way. Oh, boy. This week, yeah, that's Are you the, taking that's on Coloni latest, for that backup center spot? Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> transaction uh, here in Los Angeles. <laughs> With DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Long. Looking forward to seeing the Seahawks. Look, for all that's gone wrong this season for the Los Angeles Rams, There is institutional knowledge in how to beat this rival from the Pacific Northwest. And in terms of your development and your progress, DeMarco, it sure would be nice to have a win to reinforce some of your coaching points, would it not? Oh, no doubt, man. I mean,
0: you know what it feels like to have an L week in the NFL. It stinks, right? There's nothing worse. You got to sit in it for an entire week. You can't change that diaper
1: for a week. Think about that. Even if you do beat the Seahawks, now you got me thinking. You got to spin it right around and host the no. Raiders on Thursday. But so. you
0: got that victory. You got yes.
1: that feeling in the
0: locker room. You got guys leaving the room feeling good about themselves, and it makes you excited to come to work the next day. So that's what you want to give your players. That's what you want to give your coaching staff. Success, success breeds success. Uh, when you just take an L after L after L, I mean, even the slogans start to look weird in the room, right? So at some point, you're going to have to start giving some Ws to, to make that stuff pop and make people feel
1: that stuff. All right, still to come, you and I have an important decision to make. We'll get to that in our final segment. Coming up next, Joe Fan, who covers the Seahawks, will give us the latest on the Seattle perspective as they journey to SoFi Stadium to take on your Rams. Glad you're with us tonight on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr will rejoin us momentarily. JB Long with you, previewing the Seahawks and the Rams. Coming up at SoFi Stadium this Sunday. First meeting of the season between these NFC West rivals, and we're pleased to have Joe Fan with us, who covers the Seahawks for Seattle Sports, the ESPN affiliate up there in the Pacific Northwest. Joe's got deep roots in the NFC West, so we're pleased to have him back on the program. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, JB.
2: Appreciate you having me, man. Good to chat with
1: you again. All right, let's start with Bobby Wagner. His first career game against the franchise that drafted him, that raised him, and for whom he became a Super Bowl champion and a future Hall of Famer. We know how Bobby feels about facing the Seahawks. He's downplaying it. What about from the Seahawks standpoint? What do you think is going through their mind as they take on Bobby Wagner for the first time?
2: Yeah. I think everyone will be excited to see him pregame. I think there's going to be a bunch of love from players and coaches. And and I guess part of that's on Bobby too, depending on how much he wants to embrace it. Um, you know, certainly weird. It's like seeing an ex for the first time. And, you know, I think he wanted to be a Seahawks, uh, a member of the Seahawks forever. And, um, you know, the way it goes, sometimes salary cap driven league, that, you know, he was priced out of Seattle and they move forward with younger players. So, um, you know, I don't think there's any true bad blood that won't be mended over time, but, uh, yeah, certainly a, a bit awkward maybe at first, but I mean he's a Seahawks legend and, and will be forever revered as such.
1: Joe Fan covers the Seahawks for Seattle Sports. And the next question is about the running game that Bobby Wagner is going to be attempting to shut down. It looked like Kenneth Walker and Pete Carroll were uh, really on to something and they were leading the division. All of a sudden their running game has gone silent. Any idea what's changed against the Buccaneers and the Raiders?
2: Yeah, it's sort of a boomer bust running game. Uh, and I think Kenneth Walker is sort of that style of back. Um, but I think also the, you know, the offensive line in terms of, um, you know, run blocking hasn't been as good as they need it to be. So, you know, I think it's a combination of the two. They'd love to find more consistency there, but there's no doubt this is a pass for pass first Geno Smith driven offense that, you know, would like to have the compliment of a, of a productive ground game. But, you know, I think you've seen the last uh, couple of games trying to really force the issue. Establishing a run has been sort of a detractor to a passing game that has been Really good. And it was against Tampa Bay and Germany. Uh, I think Pete Carroll mentioned wishing he'd gone to the passing game earlier. And then also, um, you know, last Sunday as well and that tough loss to, to the Raiders. Um, you know, this is a really efficient passing game with weapons all over the place. And Shane Waldron and Geno Smith have been in lockstep. And, you know, I think whether or not Kenneth Murray is able to get, you know, consistent production, this is going to be, you know, a pass first uh, team in, in neutral situations. And I think you expect to see that. On Sunday for the Rams.
1: All right, let's go there next, and let's talk about Geno Smith and Joe. He's got the Seahawks in a position to contend for a playoff spot. He's on track for one of the highest completion percentage in a season in NFL history, and he's not just checking it down either. He leads the NFL with 12 deep touchdowns. Those are passes of 20 plus air yards, according to Next Gen Stats. My question for you, coming off of that, is what's your level of certainty that he will be the starting quarterback in Seattle next season?
2: No, oh, that's a great question. I, I think it's very high. You know, either they get a contract done, or he gets the franchise tag. But either way, they're not going to let him walk. Um, you know, they just can't afford to. Even if they draft draft someone in the top five, and that's where that Denver pick is expected to be, the one they're sending to Seattle from the Russell Wilson trade. Even if they opt to take a quarterback, whether it's Bryce Young or Caleb Williams or or whomever, um, you still got to keep Geno Smith around, and hopefully, you kind of can tap into that Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith type situation. Um, but he's simply been too good to let walk. And even with a bit of regression, he's still a top half of the league passer. Um, you know, you look at, again, the efficiency, the completion percentages, but also the big time throws, uh, the escapability, um, you know, not just to manipulate the pocket, but also, you know, escape and run and, and get a first down with his legs has been huge. And so he has really been a uh, top shelf this year and in the MVP conversation, which is incredible to say it's, He certainly won't win it, um, but even just to have that his name in the conversation uh, this year and just strictly what he's accomplished uh, so far through 12 weeks, um, it's incredible. It's a great story. I'd argue it's one of the the best stories, if not the best story, in the NFL this year. Uh, I think everyone's really happy for him in Seattle, really around the league. I mean, this guy's he buyed his time, and he was patient, and and he never gave up on on what he wanted to accomplish, and he certainly took advantage taking advantage of every opportunity he's been given so far in Seattle.
1: Yeah, well said. Joe Fan is a contributor to Seattle sports. I agree with what you said about Gino. He could go from punchline to pro bowler in one season, and I think that's phenomenal. All right, let's spin it forward. Uh, I don't mean to continue to write the Seahawks off for 2022. I'm not saying that, but I am more curious about them long-term and what kind of force they'll be in the division in 2023 when hopefully the Rams get back on their feet. And here's where I'm going with this, Joe. I sense a lot of optimism on the part of Seahawks fans, whether or not they get to the postseason this year, they are set up really well for the future. It seems like from the outside looking in, I did not expect them necessarily to be here 12 months ago when it seemed like they were at a fork in the road in their franchise's history. What's the temperature of the 12s at this stage of the game?
2: I think it's very optimistic, like you mentioned, you know, sort of playing with house money this year, whether they make the playoffs or not, no one expected them. Uh, to be in this position, as you said, and as really any Seahawks fan uh, would, have, would admit to you, you know, going into the season, this was sort of the rebuilding year. Now, I think that optimism should be very cautious because while I do believe the offense uh, is, is set up for the future to where it can be one of the most productive offenses in football for years to come, whether it's with Geno or a rookie quarterback that they develop, you know, they've got two rookie tackles who seem to be uh, passing the, the, the year one test. They need another guard, uh, maybe a center in the offseason, but, but skill players-wise, you could do much worse than the tight ends they have with Noah Fant, uh, Will Dixley, Coley Parkinson, and then, of course, D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. The offense looks good. The defense is still very much a concern. How many pieces there are truly building blocks for the future? I think they have guys who are good, not great. You know, Jordan Brooks leads the league in tackles, but so much of that is because the Seahawks' defense can't get off the field. Uh, You know, tackles is sort of a misleading stat in that sense where how many of them are behind the line of scrimmage? How many of them are big third down stops? You know, I think he's productive, but he's a game changer on the defensive line. They spent second-round picks on Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafe, where neither of those guys to this point look like game-changing type players. Bruce Irvin is playing ahead of both of them, and Bruce Irvin was on his couch two months ago. Um, so I think there's enough question marks. And you have you know the Jamal Adams contract that he's still out. You know he's been out all year, and you, know, you hope you can get a productive year out of him in 2023. But there are still more questions than answers answers on the defensive side of the football. And I would anticipate. You know, if that pick is in the top five, they might forego a quarterback and look at the, um, you know, you take Anderson out of Alabama uh, or you take, um, what is it, Javon Carter out of Georgia, one of those guys to help hopefully be some sort of transformative piece on the defense. But right now, there's just not enough of that, um, and which, which is why, again, the optimism should be sort of cautious at this point, even though they have exceeded expectations this season. Joe
1: Fan, good to catch up with you. I'm glad we reached out. This was great.
2: JB, I appreciate you, man. Until next time, enjoy the game. Have a great time on the call, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, that's four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Coming back to wrap things up with DeMarco Farr here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long hope we get to see you in Inglewood this Sunday as the Rams are back home at SoFi Stadium to take on the 6-5 and five Seahawks, looking to snap their losing streak. The Rams have not won since their bye. Perhaps the familiar colors and faces of Pete Carroll and the Seahawks can help them get back in the left-hand column. DeMarco, we have reached a difficult decision point. Do you know where I'm going with this? I'm not picking the Rams. You are spot on. I've debated all week and really for multiple weeks because I wasn't here with you last week to go through this. But you and I have had a lot of fun over the last couple of years with our playoff eliminator contest. In case you're new to the show, uh, DeMarco and I draft teams that we feel confident are going to be knocked out of the playoff picture. And if we are correct and that team fails to make the postseason they are worth one point whoever has the most points at the end of the season wins except for if you pick a team that you think is cooked and they make the playoffs then your portfolio is toast the element that you nor I have had to reconcile with is the possibility that the team we cover might be a desirable draft I'm not doing it so what do we do now do we take them off the
0: table I google searched I looked I found this thing if the Rams win the next six
1: there's a 78 percent chance they can get the wild that's card. right they, they are down to their last loss which is to yes. say if they win out there's still a better than 50 50 chance that they get in here's my problem with that though because I, I did the same <laughs> same same thing that you did right and then I thought to myself okay name one game they've played this season that was a complete four quarters that looked playoff-worthy. Uh, I came up empty-handed. You mean one game, or Name can I cobble game. together? No, you can't. Oh, I, no. You, this no. is not an a la carte pick your quarter. No. no. Then this
0: Sunday is going to be that game. Yes, I hope. So yeah. do, we, do we abandon the game? No, no no no,
1: no, 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 uh, no. Can I, we just agree that the Rams are never in the history of this program going to be an option? That we that can't do if, that. I'll say, it? look, once they're mathematically out of it, then we will revisit.
0: But as of right now, there is a 2% chance you beat the Seahawks it goes up.
1: You win the next 6, you can get the wild card. But if we we're yeah. playing this in the way that we have, whoever has this week's first pick and I haven't even looked yet to figure out who that is, would be right to choose the Rams, I think mathematically, but you're not going to do that. I'm not
0: going to do that. I don't want to do that. You're right.
1: Okay, so let's just strike the Rams from the record then. For now. For this season. Okay. F- I okay. would say for enough. more but but we can go with for now. All right, I'll give you a minute to think about who you might be interested in this week. Let me quickly run down the NFC West schedule. Uh, the Cardinals are on a bye. That's easy. They're 4-8. and eight. Uh, They have a bye, as do the Panthers. The San Francisco 49ers are surging 7-4. Uh, and four. Uh, They're pitching second-half shutouts. And it's interesting, they have the 8-3 and three Dolphins. Boy. And McDaniel coming to their house this weekend. Are the Niners... Not only the favorite in the NFC West, but maybe one of your NFC favorites, period. Now that we're done,
0: I like their defense. Have D line will travel. Um, And you've seen what McCaffrey has done to them offensively. So uh,
1: this could be a long season for the 49ers. Hmm. All right. So back to our playoff eliminator contest to round out this edition of Rams All Access. Tell me if I'm correct. You have the Texans, Raiders, Commanders, Steelers, Bucks, and Patriots. You are correct. I have the Jets, Falcons, Seahawks, Panthers, and Lions, the red-hot Detroit Lions. Wow. And I still have a mulligan in my golf bag. Oh, boy. You're going to hang that over my head, aren't you? I can, I can eject <laughs> one of these teams if necessary if they get too close for comfort to the postseason. All right. If you have six and I have five, that leads me to believe that I have the T this week. Any, any uh, disagreement there no. on your part? No. Hit it. And you've already looked at playoff odds here. Well, just for one team, because I, I knew I,
0: I knew this was coming. Yeah.
1: Uh, let's see. Let's see. Broncos, take the Broncos. Smart. I wonder if they bench. Russell going forward. What, just because he didn't have a, a high enough RSVP rate That's for his birthday party? <laughs> well, it's That go- seems a bit severe. It's weird. I mean, the fact that
0: we even know about that story says everything we know about that story. Uh-huh. Like, goodness gracious, Russell, just let it go. Mm. My goodness. Just play quarterback, man. Just play quarterback. Why do you have to be a celebrity? Why do you have to be that guy with the slow-mo TikToks? Come on, dude. Do you think he brings it on himself? I think he has. I dial it back some we get it we know who you are forget the tebow role for a second and just go play quarterback hmm.
1: yeah go win games you can make a pick this week you can wait for another week's worth of results and decide next week it's up to you there's some good options out there including the bears and the cardinals wow what about uh, the packers you read my
0: mind i'm looking at green bay right now at four and eight why not wait
1: a week, see if they beat the Bears? You because
0: the- this is the game, and you have a mulligan, and I need to jump on these things. All so right. I'm going to
1: take Green Bay now. You're going to take ta- Green Bay now? I'm going to take Green Bay now. Okay, so they might beat the Bears, and then I can have the Bears for free next week. I love it. See, or they could lose to the Bears. And that kind of takes some sting out of your mulligan down the road. All right. Yeah. DeMarco's in for the Packers. So Texans, Raiders, Commanders, Steelers, Bucks, Patriots, and Packers, for you, I think the Bucks are going to be a problem. (laughs) I've got Jets, Falcons, Seahawks, Panthers, Lions, and Broncos. Final thoughts on Seahawks and Rams. A great rivalry no matter the circumstances, and right now they're not in the Rams' favor. But maybe – Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are just what they need to get right. Wonderful opportunity. Uh, love talking to Sean McVay every Monday with you. It's great.
0: And to see his maturation as a coach, uh, to see him go through this, and to see how he handles it. And I'm sure he's going to handle this in the in the right way. He's going to coach his butt off and coach the guys that he has and go out and try to get a victory. Uh, but that being said, I worry about this game more than I did going to Kansas City. In what way? Because Pete Carroll doesn't like you, doesn't care about you, and there's a physical run game that's coming downhill, and you don't have Aaron this week. Hmm. Uh, this could be rough. So, And think about this. Pete Carroll loves to make statements. What would be a bigger statement than running you out of your own stadium here in Los Angeles? Uh, he's like uh, the West Coast Sean Payton. Absolutely. And th- the problem is you might not have the horses enough to keep up if it goes bad. So... That is scary. That's scarier than Andy Reid in Kansas City. That's a different deal. So, uh, really, whoever's out there in a Rams uniform, you got to give it all you got. If you don't believe in the Seahawks-Ram rivalry now as a player, you might on on Sunday night or Monday morning, you might have something to, to feel against
1: them if you don't play your best football. Twice in the last six games. Quick question. Of the remaining six, if I could give you one win... Not that they're only going to win one, but if I could guarantee you one win, where would you place it? Which of the remaining teams do you want to beat the most? Beat the most?
0: I would love to beat the Raiders here on Thursday night, but that's for a different deal. Okay, we'll, um, we'll get to that next week. But definitely Seattle. Absolutely Seattle. If if To beat them just to beat them is one. If you can spoil their season,
1: that would be even better. See how I'm feeling about them? You're embracing the role of spoiler, especially as it pertains to the Seattle Seahawks. No doubt. Who are the seven right now. Make that the eight right now in the NFC. One spot out of the playoff picture. You? Anybody? Uh, I, there's, a, there's a part of me that is sick of going to Lambeau and losing. Uh. So that one was my gut instinct especially if it's for some reason the last time that Rodgers plays the Rams as a member of the Packers, which is a possibility, though. I I, I mean, we'll see. Uh, but but they're all pretty appetizing. They're all yeah. pretty appetizing. And I would like to win a game in this building, I'll say that much. It'd be awesome. Whether it's uh, Seattle this time, uh, the Raiders, the Broncos, or even the quote-unquote road game against the Chargers, I don't like losing here in Inglewood. I'm with you. I'm so. with you. I'd probably have to pick a home game if you really held me to it, but we'll think about that more as, as the weeks go on. Uh, for now, let's call it there and look forward to week 13 in the National Football League, the Rams and the Seahawks at SoFi Stadium. Thanks to Adam, our producer. For DeMarco, I'm JB. Have a great Thursday night, everyone, and thanks for listening to Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.